Because they get two games or two days off between each game. Yeah. You get a rest. Or hockey, they play every other day, and hockey is a much more demanding sport yes. than basketball. That's I mean, true. Come I on. think. I think here's the difference. The difference is. People want to watch. At least more people want to watch the yeah. NBA playoffs. They're trying not to overlap the games, man. That's they don't, they don't have is. the outdoor life network. All right, so we we sorry our... to diss hockey to end the show. Well, yeah. it was it was bound to happen anyway. But that wraps Pist- up Pistons and seven over the Spurs. There oh, there we go. Our pick <laughs> from Tony Bolton. But that wraps up the final extra points of the season. So for Steve Schuster, Tony Bolton, Ted Pickus, I am Steve Lake saying good night, Michigan. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The sports department would like to thank you for your continued support of the University of Michigan Student Radio. Moss knocks over Tambellini, winds up and he scores! Just Tambellini lets a laser go from the near side circle and the Wolverines take a 1-0 lead off the rocket, off the stick of Jeff Tambellini. Am I listening to What station plays the least music and the most noise? FM and Arbor. Indeed. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and uh, my partner Jim Dwyer will be joining, rejoining Gray Matters in a couple of weeks. He's uh, finishing up uh, some schoolwork at uh, down the road there at EMU, so he ought to be back with us. Gee, what day is that? Oh, I don't know, about May 8th. Two weeks. And uh, by then, of course, the new uh, school term here at the U of M will have started, and uh, kind of a short break this year, as I seem to recall, looking at the schedule. Anyway, uh, sporting a bit of a kind of a weird uh, late viral cold at the end of the uh, winter. I wasn't sick all year this year, so it's kind of odd. Hopefully I won't get the mumps. But I seem to uh, have gotten them quite badly when I was a child, so I think I'm immune. But, uh, yeah, there's been a strange mumps outbreak uh, in the Iowa-Illinois area. Anyway, uh, this was a week that uh, featured the the paraphrase, a joke of uh, Jay Leno. It's President Who meets uh, President Huh. Chinese leader was in town around the country. And, of course, uh, I think it was the first visit by a Chinese leader in almost a decade. And, uh, boy, things have really changed in the world economy since then. In fact, one of the interesting things about the whole relationship with China that's, uh, of course, they're not uh, as inclined as the United States to go to war. They don't have troops stationed around the world the way we do. 
their defense spending is uh, about a tenth of ours. But they are rapidly growing. And I think that one of the more interesting stories about this China visit, uh, you know, irrespective of sort of the usual subjects that China and America discuss, and sort of wink, wink, nod, nod, don't discuss, um, because obviously America, interestingly, is becoming more and more dependent on Chinese capital than ever, and how some of our large retailers would uh, survive, one wonders. But I think the most interesting thing globally about the whole relationship with China is the competition for oil. China, in approximately 1992, I believe, ceased to be a net producer of oil. They've been an importer of oil ever since. The United States, of course, gained that uh, distinction back in the mid-50s. And our economy and much of our war policy over the years has been uh, related to that, uh, that problem of decreasing domestic oil and where we get our oil. But I think uh, in an article by David Sanger that shows where China gets its oil, it's a very interesting contrast. Um, their number one uh, supplier is Saudi Arabia. And then in descending order, it's Angola, Iran, Russia, Oman, Yemen, the Sudan, Congo, Indonesia, and Equatorial Guinea. This is a very different picture of uh, where they get their oil than where America gets its oil. Indeed, China gets almost 50% of their oil from the Middle East and another 30% from Africa. So this is one of the reasons why China will never go along with war plans uh, aimed at Iran, for instance, nor, of course, did it uh, support um, at the Security Council in 2003 America's interest in invading Iraq. Of course, we get our oil. Canada is our number one supplier. Mexico, I think, is our number two supplier. Saudi Arabia, I believe, is our number three supplier, and Venezuela is number four, and then it's Nigeria and a variety of other Middle East uh, countries. I think we get about 20 to 25 percent of our imported oil from the Middle East, and not that much from uh, Africa, um, other than Nigeria. And of course, there's been increasing unrest. In Nigeria recently, there's uh, unrest really in a number of African countries that uh, have troubled uh, the oil, international oil markets. And of course, this is one of the reasons why we've seen oil prices in the last week go to uh, all-time highs. And then when you look at uh, China's uh, incredible slope intercept, shall we say, of uh, oil demand since they've become a net... Uh, Importer of oil uh, back in the early 90s. Um, it's it's a pretty scary picture um, because oil experts point out that only Saudi Arabia has about a million and a half barrels daily of oil that can sort of be tossed onto the market to accommodate disruptions elsewhere, so that small 
disruptions in oil production in, say, Nigeria or the Sudan or Iraq, which uh, interestingly has is producing less oil now than it did back in uh, before the invasion of uh, Iraq by the United States government. This is one of the reasons, by the way, that the Bush administration is directly responsible for this rapid increase in oil. They've created the uh, uncertainty in the market. They're doing the saber-rattling against Iran. Um, most nuclear experts point out that Iran is no immediate threat. And, of course, the United States has, has, has this very hypocritical policy regarding nu- nuclear proliferation. Uh, we turn a blind eye, for instance, to Israel uh, producing nuclear weapons. And just recently, a couple of months ago, the Bush administration signed a kind of a separate deal with India that allowed them to uh, produce nuclear energy for, quote, domestic reasons. Um, And, of course, India is a nuclear power, and this was uh, greeted with a lot of uh, international skepticism. Interestingly, in Angola, just an item that I saw in the international news last week about a cholera outbreak. This is rather remarkable. It says, uh, and this is uh, from South Africa, Uh, the New York Times had this article uh, by Sharon Lafreniere, who notes that uh, Angola is suffering its worst outbreak of cholera in more than a decade, recording 554 deaths and 12,000 and 52 cases in over just the last two months, according to Doctors Without Borders. By the way, that organization won a Nobel Peace Prize several years ago. And they go on to note last year that cholera in West Africa struck uh, over 20,000 people in Guinea-Bissau alone, and that there have been widespread outbreaks in Zambia, Zimbabwe, Malawi, and the southern Sudan. Cholera, of course, is a uh, sort of a waterborne disease that is uh, very dangerous. And in fact, uh, as I seem to remember, the uh, famous European intellectual Clausewitz, who wrote a famous uh, book about war, died from cholera during the uh, sort of uh, European wars in the in the uh, 1820s, 1830s, involving, you know, France and the Austro-Hungarian Empire and all that stuff. So, um, continuing problems in, in Africa could uh, create and continue this oil supply problem, and of course the saber-rattling that continues with Iran is not likely to go away anytime soon. Iran, over the weekend, of course is now threatening to uh, leave the non-proliferation treaty. They apparently signed it at some point. And it's interesting, by the way, in the history regarding uh, Iran's nuclear program, that it was actually the United States that uh, got Iran embarked in the area of nuclear weaponry. Of course, it was back in the mid-'70s when the Nixon-slash-Ford administrations under the foreign policy expertise of Henry Kissinger uh, promoted uh, nuclear power in Iran when the Shah of Iran was our ally. Of course, he was put on the in into power by the uh, 
uh, CIA uh, of the United States back in 1953, and interestingly, the British um, Anglo Oil Corporation. Uh, hence, our problems with uh, political problems with Iran have uh, long been a sore spot in that region. And needless to say, by the way, we overthrew a democratically elected prime minister in 1953, putting a monarch back in power. Uh, this is, of course, one of the reasons why the Bush administration's public claims that we're trying to restore democracy to the Middle East is uh, rings rather hollow with many people. So keep an eye on this uh, international competition for oil uh, with China, because China, in just the last decade, and this is just for the you know the, the data that they're currently um, supplying in this article, and this information is provided by the Energy Information Administration and the Energy Intelligence Group, whoever they may be. Uh, no doubt Washington think tanks, points out that since 1990 when uh, China's uh, consumption was approximately one and a half uh, barrels, one and a half million barrels a day, China is now consuming um, over six and a half million barrels a day. So their consumption has literally quadrupled, and in the next uh, five years, it's expected to go up by another three million barrels a day. Where all this oil is going to come from is anybody's guess, um, because certainly the situation in Iraq regarding oil production has not improved under the Bush administration and uh, we'll just give Paul Wolfowitz a brain damage award. He was the one that uh, predicted back. He, first of all, he was the one that uh, dismissed uh, Shinseki's, uh, Eric Shinseki's um, recommendation that over 200 to 300,000 troops be used in the Iraq war as, quote, wildly off the mark. And I'm paraphrasing here. And he was the one that uh, predicted in before Congress that America would... Uh, wouldn't have a problem financing reconstruction because Iraqi oil revenues could do the job. Well, uh, Iraqi oil production has actually declined uh, since we invaded, and hence uh, this is one of the reasons why the price of oil has gone up so high in the last several years uh, since this disastrous policy by um, Mr. Bush. We'll give him a brain damage award. He, of course, last week said, I'm the decider. Oh, really? Um We've been kind of wondering about that because George Bush has gone from various uh, chameleon changes during the last several years. I like to say that uh, his mission accomplished stunt earned him the um, nickname of Top Gun Goon. Then in uh, July of 2003, he uh, urged the terrorists to bring it on, as he famously put, uh, put it on J July 2nd of that year thereby earning the nickname of Shane from the famous uh, Western. By the end of the uh, summer, he uh, had become Bubble Boy. Uh, he was back on vacation and uh, sort of uh, inattentive to the fact that there was a growing insurgency in Iraq and, of course, in denial about it. And these policy decisions were uh, at the heart of the problem. Recently, he has declared that he is the leaker. So he's gone from Top Gun goon to Shane to Bubble Boy to the leaker. Now he is the decider.
And that, of course, is in reference to uh, calls for Donald Rumsfeld's resignation uh, that, as I put it last week, uh, are not going to happen because uh, I recorded an anecdote, you know, don't take the punching bag out of the gym. Rumsfeld's a convenient scapegoat for the uh, policies of Mr. Bush and Dick Cheney. And this whole uh, Libby leak case, by the way, is turning into a kind of a almost a baseball statistics nightmare. You really have to follow all the ins and outs to know what the heck is going on. And leaks are back in the news again. Of course, we have a uh, a CIA analyst uh, apparently being dismissed uh, for uh, showing deception on a polygraph uh, regarding uh, her purported leaks to the Washington Post regarding American uh, secret prisons. And on this, it's just a fascinating example of how the media distorts things. On uh, the 23rd of uh, April this past week, the Associated Press, in their story on this, which was uh, printed in the Ann Arbor News, the headline read, EU probe reveals no evidence of illegal CIA practices. The New York uh, Times headline is, is different. It says, no proof of secret CIA prisons, European anti-terror chief says. Um, the New York Times has CIA prisons. The Associated Press has, has expanded this into CIA practices. Um, so we know which one is uh, giving the CIA the, the broader benefit of the doubt there. And needless to say, when you actually read the article... Um, it doesn't actually say there's no evidence. What it says is that the investigations are continuing. Um, Dick Marty, the Swiss senator, said, quote, there were enough indications to justify continuing the investigation. Um, so no evidence has been produced so far, but that's not uh, the end of the story. And the article, the New York Times article, goes on further to note that, um, and this according to uh, a former British ambassador to Uzbekistan, Craig Murray, who said, quote, I can attest to the willingness of the United States and the United Kingdom to obtain intelligence that was got under torture in Uzbekistan. If they were not willing, then rendition prisoners could not have existed. But Mr. Murray, who was recalled from his job in 2004 after condemning the Uzbek authorities and criticizing the British and American governments, told the committee that he had no proof that detention centers existed within Europe. He said that he witnessed such rendition programs in Uzbekistan, but he seemed to back up Mr. DeVries, who's the European uh, investigator on this matter's assertion, when he said it, he was not aware of anyone being taken to Uzbekistan from Europe. And he basically um, remains a critic of uh, some of the wide latitude that both the British and American government have been using in reference to uh, these sorts of things. So uh, the book is not uh, closed on this matter, and it's uh, certainly unclear uh, what uh, Mary O. McCarthy, uh, a former CIA career official, leaked, if, in fact, she was the leaker. Let's remember that uh, polygraphs do not ascertain the truth. Um, sometimes they show uh, very 
sophisticated liars, uh, maybe George Bush and Dick Cheney, should be given some polygraph tests to see how they perform. Uh, and then we can judge it according to the truth, and then we can dismiss polygraph tests. And, of course, they're merely a technique used, uh, of course, by agencies like the CIA um, as to whether or not they're telling the truth. Um, that would be a fascinating um, experiment on national television, hooking Dick Cheney and George Bush up to polygraph uh, machines. Uh, it's interesting, I heard Daniel Shore today note in his commentary that George Schultz, back in the mid-90s, uh, when ordered to take a polygraph test uh, from President Reagan, basically threatened to resign and uh, refused on principle saying that we can't uh, run a government you know, by a with a policy of intimidation. Well, intimidation seems to be part of the entire Bush administration's entire operation of government. And I don't know how serious these leaks that Mary McCarthy were involved in really are. She, of course, uh, is accused after a Washington Post article appeared last November that subsequently, by the way, won a Pulitzer Prize, um, hence the urgency to uh, wire up people at the CIA for unauthorized inf disclosure of information, um, this story uh, contended that America was sending terror suspects to uh, detention centers in Eastern Europe. And by the way, the, the countries in question were specifically named as Poland and Romania. Poland, of course, is part of the Coalition of the Willing, and Romania, no doubt, is trying to atone for the many years of uh, the dictatorship of uh, Ceausescu, uh, who, by the way, was a uh, surreptitious ally uh, and uh, supporter, even though they were a communist country. Uh, the Nixon administration had very close relationships with Ceausescu. So uh, we'll see what happens with this uh, particular CIA career official. It's interesting that uh, she was close to retirement, and in the article that appeared uh, in Sunday's New York Times, they note that she gave a campaign contribution to John Kerry in 2004 and, quote, had grown increasingly disenchanted with the methods adopted by the Bush administrations for handling al-Qaeda prisoners. Indeed. Well, of course, this week and the, the big story the last couple of weeks regarding so-called al-Qaeda prisoners has been this uh, rather absurd show trial uh, going on with Zacharias Musawi. Um... It's interesting, by the way, that a, a university uh, professor here at the University of Michigan appeared as a, uh, she wasn't a witness, but she was basically a, uh, she spoke at the victim's phase uh, part of the trial regarding uh, Musawi, and I don't have her exact words in front of me, but I'll just paraphrase what she said, because I think it was fairly illuminating. She pointed out that Musawi um, was hardly the most guilty person on the 9-11, uh, regarding the 9-11 attacks. And even last week, the prosecution has acknowledged that government's chief investigators do not believe Musawi's claim that he was part of a 9-11 hijack plot in collaboration with Richard Reed now known as the Shoe Bomber. Um, this is just sort of a fantasy of um, 
Musawi's imagination, and the investigators point out, quote, uh, there is, to date, there is no information available that Richard Reed had any pre-knowledge of the 9-11 attacks and that he was instructed by al-Qaeda leadership to conduct an operation with Musawi, unquote. Well, as the university professor testified, um, and I sort of regret not bringing in the article with her name on it, but because uh, I just don't have it. I, I remember uh, cutting it out, but I don't seem to have it with me. Um, she pointed out that uh, there are many, many higher-up al-Qaeda officials that are in secret detention facilities that America is operating globally, a sort of mini gulag archipelago at the moment. These are the people that actually were involved in the 9-11 plot. They're not being brought to trial, uh, and the reason is very obvious. Uh, they might have information that might be rather embarrassing to the Bush administration. We now know, of course, that Bush... And his family, uh, his uh, oil uh, business, has had a lot of uh, connections to the uh, the Bin Laden construction group. So it's it's rather incredible. And this show trial involving Musawi is is really a farce. I don't dispute or doubt for one second that Musawi is a despicable, horrible person. Um, but putting him to death for the 9/11 attacks is uh, ludicrous. Um, he may deserve to be executed for other reasons but uh i uh, don't believe that he's part of the 9 that he was part of the 911 attacks i don't know what he was part of um all the experts that have investigated this case have pointed out that even al qaeda thought the guy was a lunatic so uh, i don't know if he's appeared in court with the underwear on the head a la ted kaczynski but he may as well have Speaking of other lunatics, uh, I'll just give this uh, guy a quick brain damage award about a guy out in Portland, Oregon, who uh, went to the hospital complaining of uh, headaches. He apparently had attempted suicide by taking a nail gun and shooting himself in the head 12 times. Well, you get a brain damage award for attempting such a thing. It's incredible that he survived. Uh, apparently, the uh, suicide occurred when he was, quote, high on men, methamphetamine, which, of course, all experts now agree is the, is the number one drug problem here in America, uh, probably after prescription drugs. But even the Bush administration's drug policy seems to be uh, sort of a, 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 a morass of confusion. So uh, we'll give him a brain damage award for attempting suicide in such a bizarre fashion. Um, so, yeah, the Musawi case is being wound down today, I, I believe, and hopefully the media can move on to a really relevant subject because, it, frankly, it's a sideshow. It's a, it's, a, it's a show trial. It's the American government trying to demonstrate to the public that... They're doing something constructive on the war on terror and executing a lunatic that had nothing to do with 9-11 as uh, apparently their way of operating. Shouldn't surprise us. Uh, they do it all the time. Also, real quickly, I'd like to give the FBI a brain damage award for this whole Jack Anderson uh, controversy. They apparently have been looking into the... Uh, papers of Jack Anderson. Jack Anderson died several months ago. I don't remember the exact date, but uh, he uh, 
passed away uh, recently, and the FBI uh, is trying to get his papers. And they want to look at his papers that he's apparently donated to a Washington, D.C. university. I can't remember whether it was Georgetown or George Washington, but it was one of those Washington universities. And they've apparently sort of bamboozled Jack Anderson's widow. She apparently signed some document that was underneath a a pile of other documents, and they're trying to get it as papers before they're donated to the public, claiming that Jack Anderson has, in his possession after all these years, he has classified information. Uh, well, this is something I doubt. Um, Jack Anderson, by the way, was a rather mercurial reporter who broke a number of very important stories, particularly back in the uh, when he worked with Drew Pearson and also uh, during the Watergate era. He was on the Nixon's enemies list, and he had drawn the ire of Nixon, by the way, during the um, India-Pakistan War of 1971, in which he exposed that the Nixon policy of, quote, neutrality was no such policy of neutrality, and that Nixon and Kissinger had secretly sided with Pakistan. Uh, And, of course, that policy really has continued ever since um, regarding American foreign policy in that region. It was only Bill Clinton who began to modify Uh, policy in that region to a more balanced approach. Uh, Bush has apparently sort of continued in that vein, but let's remember that Pakistan is allegedly at the forefront of our search for Osama bin Laden. Gee, he's back in the news with another bizarre Oh, propaganda tape uh, that contains uh, some truths and some falsehoods and Basically, the the typical uh, stuff that bin Laden spouts off about, but uh, it shows that uh, it's a fairly recent tape, and of course, he uh, goes into the Hamas business and Sudan, etc. Interestingly, by cutting off Hamas, the Europeans and the United States have enhanced the position of Iran, Uh, which shouldn't surprise us, because everything that the Bush administration has done in that region of the world has helped Iran in the last... uh, Several years, uh, Iran has agreed to, shall we say, uh, make up, replenish, uh, that famous word from the Iran-Contra scandal, the funding that uh, the Europeans and Americans have cut off uh, in recent weeks. Hamas, of course, had to denounce Osama bin Laden, uh, that he's no friend of ours, etc., etc., and... uh, I think, alas, this time, a tape from Osama bin Laden is not going to rescue George Bush's sagging poll numbers. Uh, They're destined to remain in the tank. And, of course, they'll continue to remain in the tank as long as he remains the decider, uh, supporter of Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, Of course, uh, he came under criticism most notably several weeks ago by a former and this is just one general, but I thought he said the most uh, devastating thing. General uh, Gregory Newbold, who called for resigna- uh, Rumsfeld's resignation, said, quote, the decision to invade Iraq was done with, quote, a casualness and swagger that are the special province of those who have never had to execute these missions or bury the results. Well, Yeah, that couldn't be said any stronger or better. And this, of course, was uh, in a Newsweek, I believe Newsweek article 
uh, that I'm rereading here. Um, and he was just one of the many generals that have called for Rumsfeld's resignation. Apparently, that's not in the cards. Uh, it's a little after 7 p.m., and you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I noticed a strange...